0: Alright, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck sticks? What the fuck stirs? What's happening? Everything alright? Are you okay? Did you get vaxxed? Are you half-vaxxed? Are you fully vaxxed? Are you not vaxxed? Are you not vaxxing? Silly boys, silly girls, silly theys. Get the vax. Let's push it back. What's the problem? You, you You got vaccines when you were a kid. Stop being weird. Get the vax. Let's stop this shit already. Today on the show, I talked to Katie Segal. Uh, you know her from Married with Children and Sons of Anarchy. She has a new show on ABC called Rebel. She also grew up in show business. Yes, her family's a show business family. She's an accomplished singer. And uh, I, I would like you to know that uh, this show is uh, a lot of recovery talk. It's like a recovery week here. But that's okay. It's good. We get into some of the food issue stuff. Some of the codependent, dirty co stuff. Are you a dirty co? Get into some of the drinky, druggy stuff. Because I don't care what anybody says or how anybody reacted around uh, you know Hunter. But uh, the truth is, addicts and alcoholics are stigmatized. Anybody who needs help and is openly asking for help uh is stigmatized in this country i mean it's sort of like you know it kind of it's along the same arc as anti-vaxxers it's like you should be able to 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 uh, fight it you should be able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps you should be able to to uh to not need help that's you know you're not really sick your body's fine it's your brain but it's just not true but societally that is still uh that is still the deal and that's one of the reasons that anonymous is anonymous. You know, I choose to be public about my sobriety because I think it helps other people. But a lot of people can't because they'll be judged. It goes on your record. That's one of the reasons it's anonymous. You know what I mean? You got to keep it to yourself unless you want to be public about it to help other people. That's my belief. But in the out there in the world, no matter how much of it is out there, no matter how many people know people who have drug problems, there's still some part of it that You know, people look at them as weak or as a problem or as potentially uh, uh, trouble. Some of that may be true, but uh, but either way, uh, it should be recognized as something that people need help with and and accepted as as a a sickness. Anyway, all that being said, Katie Segal is here, and we did talk about it a bit. Did you guys watch that uh, that documentary? On uh, HBO Max or HBO or whatever the fuck it is, what is it? Q Into the Storm. What a great uh, documentary! It really was well done. This guy invested. What's this guy's name? Cullen Hoback. He went. In, he went in there, man. He saw. He's. He. He was there at the beginning of Q and at the beginning of the, of the problem, and he put three years into this figured out the through line figured out the players figured out the effect it had on people and really kind of made a kind of well-rounded well-researched and true doc did not infuse himself too much into it like so many documentarians do they become part of it their ego you know needs the attention and the it becomes half about them he didn't do that he was there his presence was felt and he didn't really cross the line except for once and it was uh for good reason, and really added to the drama of the thing. But you do kind of get to the end of the line of this thing and realize that the entire Q phenomenon was spearheaded by, you know, most likely, seemingly, uh, this father and son team of nihilistic nerds who kind of broke the brains of millions of people and uh, broke the world. The fact that a couple of malcontents with malintentions Could start this up online and break the fucking world and sort of send thousands, hundreds of thousands of people's brains spinning away from them into a direction they to the point where they might not get their brains back is sort of uh, daunting and terrifying that it was that easy. Granted, look, man, I'm not saying they're all powerful. People really want to believe things. They really want stories that have closure. They want things to be explained. They want their anger to be honored. They want to feel part of something bigger than themselves. And if you get them angry enough and frothed up enough, they'll kill people to realize it. But uh, it does get to the bottom of it. It makes me think about how do these people that got played by this bullshit feel? I mean, I know most of them are too proud to admit they got played and probably will just you know, kind of live off the fumes of the thing and try to pull out what they think is true and real that has some substantiation. But how does it feel to be that fucking played? Obviously, look, man, we're all marks. We've all been played by one thing or another. Uh, and, and that's sort of uh, one of the, um, the hinges of conspiratorial thinking. It's like, what are you a mark for? What do you, how do you know what you know is real? You know, what do you base your perception on? What do you think your uh, identity is hanging on? What are the facts? Who are you really? What is true really? You know, I mean, that's the game, right? We're all kind of marks, but to see where this went just for the, the sort of power tripping goof of a couple of fucking people who figured it out online and then it got glommed onto by thousands and thousands of lost, angry people. But also, it got taken advantage of by people who were hip to the power of it. Then they hip the uh, the pathological lying pig president, and he glommed onto it and used it. It was kind of fascinating. The whole thing is fascinating. That a couple of people, expats. Father and son team maybe could break the fucking world, break the brains, disassociate hundreds of thousands of people and start a viral series of ideas that eat away at the truth like acid. So Katie Segal and I, I think that there's a moment here and you'll hear it uh during our conversation where there's this kind of aha we are alike moment and it's around food issues. You know, I guess people who know me and know this show know that I'm kind of fucked up like that. But I, I will tell you this as a man, as a he, his you can call me they if you want, but uh you know I am a I am a dude With uh, massive food issues, massive body dysmorphia, uh, hyper aware, like to the point where, like, if I feel uncomfortable in my body because of what I perceive as being heavy or weight or or fat or w- whatever I perceive that feeling is so paralyzing that I almost can't breathe I can't be touched I don't want to be seen I you know I there have been times where I don't want to live you know despite all of my other uh, what some people would say neurosis which they are not I mean but outside of but aside from my you know drug addiction in the past my addictive personality or whatever shortcomings i may have however i may be fucked up whatever i may think of myself these food issues these these eating issues are the deepest ones and they're they're completely fucking paralyzing and terrible uh you know to be so aware all the time of what you eat why you eat it and then the cycles of self-hatred the cycles of body hatred the cycles of you know compulsive weighing and then if you do get into a role where you start losing weight that thrill of 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 being sort of exhausted and loopy from being anorexic in your intent to maintain a certain weight or keep getting lower. If you look at the third season of Glow, I'm surprised that nobody thought I had cancer as that character because I started to lose a little weight just so I could eat on set and not feel bad about it, but then it got away from me and I just kept losing and losing and I looked terrible. But it's very hard for me to balance that shit. So much of my sense of self is wrapped up in how I feel about my weight. I can't even explain it. How fucking deep that issue is and how like it makes you want to die inside. And oddly, you know, I probably don't get the help or or work a program around it that I should because it really is my deepest issue. But but it was just to say that, just to say that you're not alone out there, fellas who uh, pinch themselves when they feel fat or have a series of poking gestures around their stomach to check the density of what they perceive as their weight. Maybe that's uniquely me. I don't know. But I do know that me and Katie bonded around that. We bonded around Jew stuff. We bonded around booze and drugs and recovery. And it was a great talk. It was great to see her. I felt like we'd known each other for for centuries. Uh, Her new show, Rebel, airs Thursdays on ABC. It premieres tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. And uh, this is me uh, talking to a Katie Seagal.
1: I'm really happy to be here by the way. Nice to see you. I'm a big fan.
0: Are you? Uh That's very nice he is. So true. I watched the the pilot of the new thing. What'd you think? Of Rebel, it's exciting. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's you're out there kicking ass with a with like nine kids, all all different uh, races and genders.
1: Yes. <laughs> Many different husbands. Yes.
0: I, I, I think it's interesting that how some shows seek to accommodate the diversity. How are you going to do it?
1: Yes. Well, even though no, actually, uh, yeah, no, this is a fictitious uh, right. approach. Right. Right.
0: But like, it's it's. I've never seen it done like this, where it's like, that's your kid too. Yeah. And then
1: <laughs> all different races.
0: <laughs> but you can carry it. The, it happens. the character. It does, but the character seems like somebody who would who could do that.
1: Absolutely. Well, she's got three different husbands. Yeah. You know, one's adopted, one kid's adopted, oh, okay. so, right. you know, they're all just yeah. different races. And-
0: one's a doctor from a cop.
1: One's a doctor from a cop. One's
0: a lawyer from a lawyer.
1: After being a juvenile delinquent, yeah. Okay. No, no, no I'm not a lawyer. Oh, no, my no, no. dad's a lawyer, Right. Yeah, so you know more. Right. Um, I haven't seen... <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not important, you know, you just walk in. We're
1: mid, you know, we're midway. I mean, I actually did see the pilot, but it was, yeah. you know, I don't know about you, but... uh Looking, watching myself is not always my favorite thing to do.
0: I can't. I it's hard.
1: Yeah, and I zipped out. I was sort of like, oh, I think this is. You know, I just kind of. Yeah. I, it was out of body experience. What,
0: what, what do you What do you experience when you do it? Like when you watch yourself. What is What is the feeling? Because uh, first it, I'm
1: hypercritical. It, right. You know. Uh, hyper, like way too hypercritical and really self obsessed. Yeah, like all I can see is me.
0: Right. Oh, well, yeah. It's, yeah.
1: And then I have to watch. If I watch it again <laughs> yeah. a couple times, then I can see the whole project. Uh-huh. But right. at first, I'm just like all oh, about yeah. me.
0: Yeah. I I think I am I'm, I'm pretty much all about me on every viewing, and then <laughs> occasionally, <laughs> and then occasionally I'm like I'm working with somebody. They're doing a good job. Thank God they're doing such a good job. <laughs> but uh. I've gotten less critical of myself as time goes on. Oh, but it's hard when you watch yourself on television because it—if it, you're hyper critical of it, it's—it's it's all stilted. It's just the nature of the medium, right? Because they're—they're not, you know, you're pulling off a trick and acting like you're really talking to somebody in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, like in the sense that, like, a lot of dialogue that happens in those compressed stories. It's sort of unnatural.
1: Uh, yes. So well, yes.
0: In general, right? So for me, like I always feel that weird air in between lines if I'm watching myself, like because it's not you're acting, so it's not quite natural. And I'm like, oh, why can I? If we looked more relaxed, or why didn't I make it seem more natural, or you know,
1: yeah, or why couldn't they have shot this one? It was off camera. It was so much better. Yeah,
0: we were so loose.
1: So, so loose and so much better. Didn't uh, give a shit. Just threw it away.
0: Yeah, So this is based on Erin Brockovich, kind of? Yes,
1: it's inspired by Erin Brockovich. And she's involved? She's an executive producer, Yeah, I think she's a fan of mine. Oh. I h- think. I'm sure she is.
0: Well, I mean, she we've tweeted at each other. Oh, yeah. I don't she, know how to, you know.
1: She's very cool. Yeah? I think she would, yeah, you should have her on your show. She's awesome.
0: I think it'll happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's really great. And uh, fighting the good fight. So, yeah, the, it's loosely based, well, yeah, it's inspired by her but we don't have her life rights so it's not her life it's just
0: She wouldn't give them or they're uh, already owned or I don't just know. spoken for
1: I don't know what the deal was. I don't <laughs> she's know She's an executive we don't producer
0: but she can't give you the life yeah. rights cuz they she's promised that to She
1: might have given them to somebody else. was going to do something awesome. That's right. why she gave them to them. I don't know.
0: I don't know. But uh, but she is involved and it is sort of inspired by her. And you're sort of like, uh, 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 what would you call this character? Sort She's of a, a
1: consumer advocate. A voice for the little guy. Yeah. That's what she is. What network is it on? It's on ABC.
0: Andy Garcia. It's haven't seen him in a while.
1: So awesome.
0: Is it fun to work with him?
1: Oh, my God. Well, he's such a movie star. So he's got all these like killer movie star stories. which Wait, Does I, he? And he oh. sits around and tells them? Yeah, in the most endearing, fabulous way. Like, he'll just throw out the names of these famous directors. Uh-huh. This one did this, and this one did that. And, you know, I'm just like, I, I'm enthralled. Yeah. I he, love the way he tells stories.
0: He's intense, it seems.
1: He's intense? Well, he's Cuban. Yeah. And so he has this passionate Cuban way, and he's very, um, you know, he's proud of being Cuban. He loves that he's playing a Cuban yeah. character. Right, yeah,
0: sure. You know, and he'll tell yeah. the
1: director, oh, that's not how the Cuban would do it. And yeah. so, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it's a different rhythm, but he does. He has, he's a very passionate, super yeah. funny dude. Yeah. I mean, people don't think he's, would be funny. He's funny. I,
0: I think he's funny. I, I, he, I've seen him kind of play that dry funny in the Oceans movies. Yeah. Sometimes he's, he's funny. He's sort of the straight guy. He's kind of the steaming funny guy. Yeah. The guy who's like always <laughs> getting fucked.
1: Yeah. And in this project, he kind of just, you know, I, I just order him around. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he, you know, he you loves me, but it takes it. I guess so. You like it? Ordering people around. Yeah. I actually don't in my real life, but it's super fun to play. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Because I listen. It it kind of gets a a little off your chest.
1: It does. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. It's very liberating.
0: And then there's that other guy from uh, Northern Exposure who I feel like I haven't seen him forever. John Corbett. John Corbett. Yeah. It's so interesting to check in with people as they get older. Like, oh, you're doing all right. Yeah, he's
1: he's doing fine. He's like in all these... He's in that, uh, what's that Netflix, All the Boys I Loved Before, or all oh, the things. Oh, right, right. I, Yeah,
0: yeah. He's in that? He's in that. Yeah. And,
1: you know, he, he's, you know, he's Mr. Dreamy guy. He, is he a he nice guy? Like, he's a super nice guy.
0: Really? Yeah. I'm you not going to say
1: anything anywhere. bad about anybody I'm working with right now.
0: No, no. I, I don't. So far, everybody's I don't good. know why I asked you that. I mean, <laughs> what, what are you going to say? What am I going to say? He's <laughs> a fucking asshole. Don't say anything to anybody. But no.
1: <laughs> no, he's cool. Yeah. Everybody's pretty cool so far. Everybody's grateful to have a job after everything that we've just all been through.
0: Did uh, were you shooting it with protocols when? How were,
1: we, we are now. You I are mean, now.
0: Oh right, right. We right. were
1: about to shoot the pilot just when all this went down. And, oh okay. And so everything the, shut down.
0: So how much have you shot?
1: We are on episode six. Oh, um,
0: so you guys are going up, and you're going to be in it while they're airing.
1: Yeah, and we just have a ten episode order. Wow. So, that doesn't
0: usually happen. Usually they're all in the can, aren't they? Or am I ma- making that up? No, no they, they are. Usually. They
1: are. And there's a whole, you know, there's that ridiculous pilot process, which we got to skip. We just, they just picked us up straight to series. Oh, as
0: opposed to uh,
1: shooting a pilot and waiting around and then right. and hearing if you do right. so.
0: So you seem like you've never really stopped working.
1: Well, uh no, I mean yes, I have stopped working. I mean I have 3 children, so I've stopped, you know, stopped to and have started them
0: into be yeah, with to, them To have them
1: and be with them and um <laughs> try, I, to, uh, try to make them turn out okay. Yeah. And they're so far so good. So How old? I have 26, 25 and 14. I have 14. a teenager at home. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm an old mom. I had a ma. I had a kid with Kurt, who's my third husband. I mean, it's kind of you know yeah. a little bit like the, the part Sons I'm playing. Sons
0: of Anarchy guy. Sons of
1: Anarchy guy. Yep. He and created that show. He created it. He yeah. He and he
0: fell it. in love on the set of the Biker Show.
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> we met in a twelve-step uh, program. And familiar.
0: I'm familiar with those. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I'm a, I'm long time in that. So all we, of them
0: are just one. Two. Oh,
1: I've been to all. <laughs> I've been to. <laughs> There's probably a few more in my future. <laughs> uh, I, too, am quite obsessive. So, yeah. um, no, we met in a 12-step room, uh-huh. and uh, he was working on The Shield. He worked on that show. With Chiklis. With Chiklis. And I was, uh, you know, getting out of the marriage number two, and uh, I don't know if I had a gig then. Oh, I think I was on um, Eight Simple Rules, which uh-huh. is a show I did with John Ritter. And, uh, and then, you know, he wrote the motorcycle show with me in mind uh, after we were married, so really, yeah, it was nice. Actually, she was written to be a smaller character, and then the network was like, "Nah, let's bump her up."
0: That's so- nice. So he's got the the swaggering, you know, chickless, and then the swaggering uh, you.
1: Yeah, which the- was. So great in my career because I had been so known for comedy that it had been very difficult for people to realize that I'm actually not funny and I'm much more serious than that, which is <laughs> totally the truth. And so he wrote me this great dramatic role yeah. and um, and it was really, uh, it, it opened finally. A life changer? Kind of, yeah, work-wise. But
0: um, you grew up in show business, which always, like and I read that, and it fascinates me when people grow up in this business because it seems like i mean you were here when it was you know glamorous and exciting and
1: my life not glamorous it was my father this is the part everybody doesn't know what you know it's hard working my dad was an episodic television director basically yeah you know he did uh, man from uncle he did dr kildare old old stuff and you know worked his butt off i mean he he never did films he did. He did um, The Omega Man. Did oh, you yeah. ever hear The Omega Man? With yeah. Charlton Heston? Yeah. That was his movie. And uh, I think, ultimately, he would have liked to have done more films, but he had a family with five kids. and Five kids? Yeah. There are five, five of you? Yeah. it's five of
0: us. Same mom? Same mom. Where did he come from?
1: My dad was from Russia, came here when he was seven, with his Yiddish mother, who never, ever spoke English. What part of Russia? They were from what is now... Um, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the name right. Is
0: it Belarus, Ukraine? No, Ukraine. They're Ukraine. from Ukraine. They're from Ukraine. Yeah, that's where I, uh, my family's from. Yeah, part of it.
1: So he his side yeah his side is that the other side is apparently I'm an Amish person from the other side.
0: What are you talking about?
1: I did that show you know that show. Uh, Who do you think you are? Oh the yeah, Lisa I did Kudrow another one. show. Uh, yeah. Oh, you did the Roots. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think I saw your Roots. Yeah, I love that show.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was all Jew. It was a Jew Roots. It was a it was, Jew it was, Roots. It was it was me and Terry Gross oh. and Jeff Goldblum. Oh,
1: it was fantastic. I yeah, saw that yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. No, and I thought for sure when they you know they hi- they put you on that show they don't tell you what they're gonna do. Sure. Right? So I thought for sure they're taking me to Russia because that's the most interesting part of my life. Yeah. Turns out my mother uh, is Amish, was Amish royalty, like way back. So they're taking me to Pennsylvania. I'm meeting all and these And you thought royalties. she was Jewish? No, no. I knew my mother was not Jewish. Oh. I knew she was a white person okay. from like, you know. <laughs> Pennsylvania? Some, from Pennsylvania, somewhere. Yeah. She was like a big mix of stuff. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, so I'm Amish and Russian. So
0: <laughs> they, they took you to, the, to Amish land?
1: They did. And they took me generations back. I met all these cousins named Hofstedler. I mean, it was really wild.
0: That seems so, like, incongruous to who you are and who you're... Did did that affect your sense of identity?
1: Well, I do... No, I was going to make a joke, but no, (laughs) I'm not going to say that. Um, Uh, No, not really. I've always felt more uh, sort of a Russian-Jewish. My father was a very big personality, and so... You know, I've always felt stronger on that side of my family.
0: Was your mom in show business?
1: My mother was. My mother started as a singer yeah. when she was 11. She oh. was called the singing sweetheart of Cherokee County and had her own radio show.
0: Really? Where was this?
1: In Gaffney, South Carolina.
0: So she was on like the old-timey radio show? Yeah,
1: like 15 minutes a day. For like, if know, it's probably
0: sponsored by a flower, yeah, like yeah. a sausage or something?
1: Something. I tried to yeah. track it down. I could never find it. Oh, nothing, huh? But then she went on to be a writer. She worked for, uh, well, here's a long story. She worked for Norman Lear. Norman Lear. I interviewed him. uh, He's He's 100 now. How old is he? He's 97. It's crazy. He's my godfather. Really? He introduced my parents, my mother and my father.
0: What was he doing then? Like writing for Danny Thomas or something?
1: Yiddish theater.
0: Yiddish theater in New York or here? Here? Out here. No kidding. So it was before television?
1: No. Television was happening because my mother was the script supervisor on the Martin and Lewis show. Okay, Martin the and, variety uh, show. Yeah. Right. My parents have been dead a long time, so it's kind of like lore. Yeah. But anyway, so my mother was working for Norman. Norman knew my dad through directing in the Yiddish theater and hooked him up.
0: Your dad directed in Yiddish theater yes, too? Yes, my dad directed. So everybody spoke Yiddish?
1: Everybody, Yiddish. Everybody. Did you? No. No. My grandparents
0: used to when they didn't want me to understand what they were talking about.
1: Right, my grandmother always did. She never learned English. Really? No, she never spoke English. And you
0: guys grew up in like Hollywood.
1: I was born in Hollywood, That's crazy. and then I grew up all around. You know, my dad was like a journeyman. You know, he did what we did, like circus people. Yeah. So, you know, we grew up. I just moved around a lot as the family grew. In this was, area. Yeah, we ended up on the west side. Yeah, because things got. Things were well. Things were good, right? Yeah, but I just grew and they up stayed alone. married. Your parents? Well, my mother. My mother died when uh, she was forty-seven. She was young. Oh my god! From so what? She had heart disease. Um, it's terrible. Yeah, and she had some other stuff, and uh, so my mom died when I was 19, 20. Mm. Oh. and then uh, and then my dad remarried. And my dad remarried, do you know who Gower and March Champion are?
0: I know, I wish I did.
1: They were like the Fred and Ginger of Broadway. Oh, okay, okay. So, anyway, March Champion was big. So he married March Champion. And the so dancer? She was, yes, the dancer. Okay. <laughs> she was my stepmother until, you know, my father died. Then it gets all sad. It gets a little bit sad.
0: Well, let's, get, let's do it at the beginning here.
1: The sad part? Sure. Okay. Yeah, all in my 20s was a little bit funky. Lots of loss, lots of sad.
0: He died, how'd he die?
1: Uh, he was killed on a set. Uh, my dad was directing a movie called World War III, and he was on. He was doing second unit, and he was up on a mountain with a helicopter. And he um, he got disoriented, couldn't get a shot, walked the wrong direction into the helicopter.
0: Oh, oh my God!
1: Yeah. So that was like a very that was uh, horrific. And you're in your twenties. In my twenties, you got
0: how, how many? How, where are you in the sibling? I'm minor? number
1: one. I'm the first.
0: So you're the oldest. I'm
1: the oldest. So you got
0: all these younger siblings, and and now both parents are gone.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'd like to say that I kind of stepped in, but I didn't. I just sort of, I just checked out. I just got further and further into uh, a dark hole.
0: Well, what were you doing at that time? When did you start like manifesting your talents?
1: Well, you know, I worked as a musician. I I never. I never wanted to be an actor.
0: Right. But like when you were a kid with all this show business around, were you doing stuff? Were you singing and dancing? Were you?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I was in bands. I was like, um, my mom taught me to play the guitar. What, like in the late 60s kind of deal? Yeah. No, no, no. My mom taught me to play the guitar mid-60s. Yeah. Like I was 10, 11. Yeah. And uh, I could always sing. I was a singer. And I had this kind of, you know... I had an ability. I was good. And so from a young age, I was sort of, I was in bands. Rock bands? Rock bands with the older boys. Yeah. It was fun.
0: Anybody like, did anyone go on to do big things in your rock bands?
1: Uh, Not from high school, but later on I met a lot of. Yeah.
0: Well, then you were like, I think in rock the rock business, weren't you? Well, I like, basically. Yeah,
1: pretty much. I mean, I was, you know, kind of a struggle. I mean, I did. I made records, and I was a struggling background singer, and I, I was like a demo singer. You know, they'd put you in the studio. So how
0: does this work? So okay, so you Norman Lear's your godfather. So you 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 spend time on sets, I imagine, as a kid.
1: Yeah. If I wanted friends in elementary school, yeah. I'd bring them to the set.
0: Right. Okay, they didn't
1: like me otherwise. And so, you, you,
0: you, you never got worked into a show. Yet? I did.
1: My father, when I was sixteen, he yeah. decided my my dad always thought I should be an actor, right? Which is one reason I never wanted to be an actor because uh-huh. he wanted me to be one. Uh huh. That's another story. But he Why wanted. Why were you me pushing
0: back on the old man? Just
1: pushing back, yeah. just because that's my nature.
0: Yeah. Was he like a what kind of a Jew was he? Was he a like a uh, like a stocky kind of
1: loud Jew? Loud. Cigars involved? Cigars. Okay. Ascots on the set. If you go to any set, I, every set I've worked yeah. on, people knew my dad. Really? And they loved him. They loved him. And I would look at what them and like- What was his name? Boris. Mm-hmm. Boris Segal. hmm Loved him. And then I would, I would, you know, because he was different when he came home. He was tired and loud. And I remember thinking-
0: Is loud a nice word for angry?
1: Mm, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big. Big, They're Not yeah. boozy,
0: though?
1: Um... <laughs> you know, boozy in that no, not 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 alcoholic like me, right? But boozy in that like martini way, like okay. every day at whatever. Sure. You know, when you come home in a yeah. little mill town. Do you remember Milltown? The liquor? No, no, that's a pill. Oh, that's it's like a, pill? a yeah. It's oh, kind it's of like, like, like a pre
0: value. Prevalium. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So there was that, and. um, yeah, so he was that guy. And uh, so I didn't, whatever he said, you know, he said left and I said right. That was that kind Just of relationship. Just to define yourself. Pretty much. Mm. and um,
0: So did he work you in somewhere?
1: He did. He wanted me to have a union card. So he wanted me to have health insurance. So when I was 16, he wrote me into, he got me a job on this TV movie that he did with Dean Stockwell.
0: Oh, Dean Stockwell. Sure. Yeah.
1: And uh, so I had a part on that. And then he also directed me in a Columbo. I was, this is in my high school. I was in high school because you had to have two jobs to get a union card. right? right? To be
0: Taff Hartley. Right. Exactly.
1: So he got me a union card, which to this day, I'm just so, you know, because it's hard to get in the union. Is it? Oh my gosh. I have two my my older kids are both actors. Yeah, yeah that's a big hurdle. They they're in the union. Now.
0: Why why be, why because there's less union shoots or or, or like no, don't you have to sort of get half Hartley after two jobs anyways. You're only allowed to have two jobs before. Yeah.
1: But you can't get a job. It's kind of that catch oh, 22 right. like I get you it. have to be yeah, in yeah. union.
0: Someone has to give it to you. Exactly. You got right right.
1: Yeah. You have uh, to know somebody.
0: Right. I got mine from my uh, friend Steve Brill put me in the Mighty Ducks too. Oh, I was cut out, but I got my card. <laughs> I don't remember Who cares? What, yeah. It's good to
1: get your card.
0: So you did Columbo? Do you like that? Must have been exciting, though, right? Did you Peter Falk? No, nothing.
1: I did a, year, a movie later, years later, with Peter Falk. Right you did at the end of his life, yes, oh. and that, um, yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty great. Uh, I don't really remember him when he was Columbo. I remember Jeff Goldblum was on the episode that I did.
0: A young Jeff I, I totally Oval.
1: remember him. yeah. Well, he's so
0: quirky and weird. He was so
1: quirky and weird, and he gave me a ride home. And I was sort of thinking, like, "Wow, is he hitting on me? I don't know what he was." Doing. He. He might have been. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> talked to him. You know, I haven't talked to him since. So, but I think he's quite the, I'm quite sure the he'd, man he'd, about town. He'd
0: love to hear. It. He'd be like, "Ooh." <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course, I remember. Maybe him. he was. Um, yeah, but then. Uh, you know, then I just, I really wanted to, I love to play music. That's what I yeah. love to do. I still do.
0: But like, I'm I'm trying to picture this. I always like, am fascinated with this time in Hollywood where you were, you were like in your 20s in the 70s, which is like, that was the decade where it was just like a party in the streets. Right. It was insanity everywhere. Just drugs, music. Yep. People, you know, where like, it was like post hippie insanity.
1: Well, it was actually it was kind of so. Nineteen seventy-five. I'm twenty years old. So it was that period all the way through mid eighties that it was really, you know,
0: it took a big shift too. The hair got bad.
1: The hair got bad. The shoulder pads got big. Yeah, like and, the mid
0: seventies. Like so, when you were in high school, or eighteen or seventeen, that was when it was cool. Then we probably had the best pants.
1: Yeah, and then and then it got. I was sort of like in between. I was like, you know. Pre, like, go to San Francisco and protest the war, 69, I was 13. Right, so, you know, yeah, was, you missed It must that. have been much yeah, better yeah. to be 16, and yeah. wasn't.
0: Right, but you got the 70s, though, so you got the I music the and the cars and yeah. everything. Yeah. And you start singing in a band in high school. Start
1: singing in a band in high school. And then and, when do
0: you start to go professional? How does that happen?
1: Uh, I went to CalArts. Out of high that's school, go, oh, out in Valencia or wherever yeah. it is.
0: Where is it? It's in, in Valencia.
1: And yeah, my dad. So many said, people went there. Yeah, Don dad, Cheadle, Allison Brie. I was in a class with Paul Rubens. Yeah. David Hasselhoff. Wow,
0: that's a big.
1: Yeah, it was. It was wild. <laughs> My dad said to me, "I said, well, I want to go to that school because I didn't have any grades uh-huh. in high school. I was completely like, you know, I didn't, I, I couldn't get into a regular. What happened?
0: Game. Were you using then?
1: Oh uh, yeah, I was, and I was also just not going to school. What was your thing? I was smoking a lot of weed. I was drinking Red Mountain wine. Red Mountain. Is that like Boone's Farm? (laughs) Yeah?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like Black Beauties, White Cross? Black Beauties,
1: White Cross, yeah. Yeah. Uh, All that. Wow. The fun stuff, you know. Benzies. Benzies. Second All. Second All. That's the other way. Yeah. My mom had a lot of Second All in the house. Oh, really? Yeah. That's lucky. Yeah. Well, that was that generation, too. (laughs) I mean, it was like... they Right.
0: Second All, Valium, Librium.
1: Yeah. All that.
0: And the diet pills.
1: Oh, that's exactly what started. That's how it started.
0: What the diet pills? I
1: was a fat kid. Apparently, even though I looked at myself, I just thought I'd looked, you know, curvy. But I was my, a fat
0: kid. No, I was told I was. A fat You kid. were a fat kid. I was. My mother made me believe that.
1: Do you still think you're a fat kid? Yeah,
0: I'm obese right now. Hundred percent. I,
1: I, I hear you. Oh man, do you have to no. do that thing where you just can't look in the mirror sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. It's body dysmorphia, it's I, called.
0: I have body dysmorphia. I mean, it's it's my deepest issue.
1: Oh my God, we are so alike. <laughs> I just saw a billboard of myself, <laughs> a, a fucking billboard of myself in you know this rebel show that I'm in. Yeah. I call this girl that that I sponsor, and she says, "Take a picture." I take the picture. I said, "Oh, I look fat." <laughs> I can't. And she's like, "She said you are insane." I said, "Look, I know, I'm, I know, I'm nuts, but that's what I see."
0: I'm I'm so fucking nuts. I can't I, I can't shake it. It's a tough one to shake. because my mother's anorexic. So like I grew uh. up with this my mother recently or as many times in my life has said uh, I I don't think I could love you if you were fat. Uh. That but 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 it turns out that was not even true. She said to me like a few Thanksgiving's ago just casually she said, "You know Mark, when you were a baby, I don't think I knew how to love you." Uh. I'm like, I guess I guess we've solved it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Or you should have said, I knew that. I, I kind of pieced that together. I just
0: the, the weird sort of glib honesty was kind of mind blowing. But what? The, but the point about the weight is she has maintained a weight of like 116 wow.
1: pounds for decades. Wow! And it's all she, that's her whole life. Yeah, she's obsessed. So she passed that on to you.
0: It, totally. Yeah. And it's the worst.
1: It is the worst. I weighed myself this morning
0: and I was like, wow. I'm I like I, I had a body dysmorphia morning because like last night I was like, I'm fucked. And I exercise constantly. Yeah, you look and I, great, by the you, way. Thank you. And I got on the scale this morning. I'm like, wow, I was wrong. This is an okay day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you have to put away the scale. This is so funny. We're having this conversation. My husband and I are both this way. We're all- you, Did you make him that way, though? Oh, because- no, no, no. He came to me that way. Because I,
0: I, you can make people this way that you're with. My children. <laughs> oh, you yeah. Like, I noticed that about relationships I've had, and I noticed it about my father, because it's contagious, because uh-huh. they start to get self-conscious. Like, if you're that crazy, they're like, Is it, do I look fat? You know, and it just, it spreads through the whole family. It does. It's,
1: well, it's alcoholism. It's, it's, yeah. it's the same thing. Is it? Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, anything that fills the hole, so to speak. Uh, I'm just,
0: I'm having a carb problem are right you? now. Oh. I'm like, I'm like, I can't. I cannot do it. Like, you mean can't, you
1: can't have them, or you're just overdoing them?
0: Well, no, I just want them. You just I'm want Jones in because I'm feeding it. I'm not really overdoing it, but I do beat the shit out of myself in order not to.
1: Well, it's your head more. I mean, for me, it is. I find that over you're the great. years, I, yeah, and I've been able to moderate. I can kind of eat most things. Yeah. Like, well, even that bag of Swedish fish last night was probably not a great idea. I can't eat. I'm I'm so glad I don't have that. You don't have the candy sugar thing?
0: I like chocolate and cake and
1: pie. Okay. But I don't
0: like gummy bears (laughs) and Swedish
1: fish. (laughs) (laughs) But don't you know that's an eating, uh, that's a, you know, the the excuse for gummy bears and all that is because there's no, um, it's just straight 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 sugar, sugar. no carby. Anyway. I think the point is that I think with years of recovery, yeah. what I've learned. Do you do OA? Uh, I have been. I did not really kind of qualify. feel shitty going there, don't well, you? First, totally embarrassed. Didn't want to go. The in skinny fact,
0: person at OA, the worst.
1: Well, uh, well, here was the worst. Uh-huh. It used to be in the old days, you know, uh-huh. every rag magazine would would infest the twelve step world.
0: Uh huh. So oh. I didn't
1: mind right. that the National Enquirer said I was like a, a drug addict. Right. But when they said I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was like totally mortified. I thought, no. Oh, I didn't realize
0: they did that. That was happening. Oh my
1: god! They used to be. What yeah. time? We
0: in the eighties? When?
1: You know, when I got sober, I got sober when I was uh, in nineteen eighty six, and I got sober at the log cabin in sure. West Hollywood. Architects so, of adversity. Oh, my favorite. That was yeah. my favorite when they throw sh- chairs around shit.
0: But so so the the press would would break anonymity. Oh,
1: the press would be there. That's when I learned really quickly to share in a general way because almost everything I'd ever said in a twelve-step room—that's
0: so fucking heinous. Because I don't, I don't—is that still happening? I don't feel that it's I, happening.
1: I don't think so. I don't read the. I
0: don't. I, guess, I don't look. I guess there was sort of a wave where, like you know, AA was sort of like somehow it seemed like there was a time where people would meet people at meetings. There was a hip factor to meetings. Oh. for a while, right?
1: Well, when I That's got... definitely
0: not the case No, the, you
1: used to, in the 80s, we'd get dressed up to go to meetings. Yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, because you if you figure you're an addict since you're young, you're right. sort of socially inept. You have a lot of social anxiety, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that was part of my thing. Uh-huh. I couldn't deal with people. Right. So I get sober, and there would be the, these social meetings where, you know, my sponsor would sure. say to me, yeah, go talk to people. I'd be like, I, I don't know. I, you know, oh, you want to look good, man. Here. If you're going to
0: Third and Gardner, you better look fucking
1: Third good. Third and
0: Gardner. <laughs> like it's like this royalty sitting at the right. front, like the whole fucking thing.
1: Or Rodeo. Did uh, you ever? Well, I don't know if you. If I went to Rodeo, Rodeo like,
0: like, like, like once or twice, but I was uh, like, I got sober in New York. So yeah. I've been out here since 2002, and I was sort of a, a East Eastside guy, you know, Silver Lake. But I dressed up. You want to look good.
1: Yeah, you do. Well, you know, it's like social, and there's cute girls and cute boys, and everyone's working it too. Kind of. Well, you know, the ones uh, I remember when I first got sober, and uh, you know, I was just all over like whatever dude was cute. I mean, I was you know anything to to,
0: to fix. You have to put a trigger warning on this episode for bleeding (laughs) bleeding deacons who. Who hold on to the tradition. Like, you guys, you're breaking the tradition. Yeah, well.
1: Yeah, but I remember the guys that were actually, you know, cool dudes would just look at me and say, you know what? You're not sober long enough. Just sit down. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Very pretty. Sit down.
1: That's right. Don't talk.
0: <laughs> but wait, let's go back. So you start on diet pills, and that's where it starts?
1: Yeah. When I was 14, my parents who told you you were fat? My dad, oh, yeah. my dad, the director. My dad, the director the house had to be perfect. Yeah. I was supposed to be perfect. Even though, what's funny is, you know, he had a food thing. Mm. So, like, you know, he was just projecting onto me.
0: But what do you mean? He was self-conscious about it? No, or? his
1: weight would go up and down. He was like a food guy. He was like a- But
0: he knew it, he'd be uncomfortable fat? Always
1: on a diet. Oh, not a comfortable, not, on a, diet. not but, a happy fat guy. Yeah, not a happy Oh, okay and he wasn't really a fat guy like yeah. when i look at pictures nobody yeah. was this, you know yeah so they take me to the doctor gives me diet pills i did not i don't think i lost any weight but i felt a lot better <laughs> like yeah. i think i needed you know antidepressants sure probably what i needed yeah. and so then self-medicating just started then
0: so okay so you found that you felt better you were still chubby but you were on your way with drugs. But the I didn't drug. give a shit. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <I> didn't care.
0: <laughs> You're thinking, man. You're doing. And that's
1: stuff. what I was thinking. And t- t- I taught myself to play the piano. I'm writing songs. I'm prolific. I'm just. This is the way for me. Jacked. Jacked. Yeah. Smoking cigarettes. Nice. Drinking wine on the weekends. Mm. Smoking weed. I didn't really think there was any problem and at were all. you Like
0: what? Seventeen.
1: Oh, 14 I started oh, by the yeah. time, but then, you know, the prescriptions would run out. So then I'm buying black beauties and I buy, oh, yeah. you know, I'm doing a lot of different things. Yellow jackets. Yellow jackets. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I have not all heard that in a long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then before I know it, it's the eighties. And mm. then, then I'm on the road. Blow. Then I'm like, yeah, then I'm in the that The dumbest world. drug of all. The, the dumbest drug ever. The speed was
0: so much better. Well... In the sense that, like, you know... You, it's cheaper. Well, you can take a pill and longer. you can be by yourself and you didn't have to follow somebody around. I could do blow and be by myself. Right, but yes. I mean, you still had to deal with it and it go away quick. Yeah. I mean, you take some pills, it's like you're good for a few hours. You don't have to
1: keep going to the fucking bathroom. Yep, that's true. See, you know all this stuff. <laughs> yes, it's so true.
0: No, but I loved... I did Coke, too. It just, in like, fiending on Coke and how embarrassing that gets. You know, and the places you end up because of that shit... It's crazy. But you you're on the road with who? How does it start the, the music career? How do you get how do you get how do you become a background singer?
1: Well I dropped out of college. That's why I, I started that. I started I, I went to CalArts for six months. With David Hasselhoff. Yeah, and Paul Rubens. And then Were you uh, friends with them? Oh yeah, I just talked to Paul. I talked to Paul all the time. Paul's hmm. so great. He's a I don't know why he hasn't been on this person. show. Right. He, he's a great guy you should have him he's I don't fantastic. know why it hasn't happened anyway so I'm in college and then I drop and I was in the theater department because my yeah. dad would only let me go if I could audition this is where it all gets kind of like well I guess I had some natural talent because right. I got into these places right? but I didn't want to do it so I got a job uh, in a Broadway the a road company of a Broadway show I was the chorus girl uh-huh. and I just sang in that yeah
0: and I what show
1: it was called Two Gentlemen of Verona Mm-hmm. I went on the road for like nine months and then I came home and then I got a job as a singing waitress and I worked in this restaurant and then I got a record deal. In the 80s? In the 80s and uh, now it's, uh, yeah, I think we're almost to the 80s. Yeah. Maybe 70, late So whenever Kiss came out because Kiss, Gene Simmons is who took me to Casablanca Records and got me a record deal.
0: How do you meet that monster?
1: I was his waitress.
0: And that's how it happened? (laughs) And you you were his singing waitress? I was his
1: singing waitress. And, and this was, like, at the beginning of KISS? It was their first concert in Los Angeles. Holy and shit. And they were playing at the Santa Monica Civic.
0: And they're all from, like, Long Island, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he was probably, like, still, like, a, a reasonable rock Jew at that point.
1: Oh, he was a fantastic rock Jew. And yeah. the only person I'd ever met that never had a drink or a drug. I mean, uh-huh. he was wild. He was, like, straight-up business. Uh-huh. And I was like, I was still so taken with him. Yes.
0: But you, what I'm saying is you met him before he fully got degenerate. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I think his bag is sex, right?
1: Well, I, it was then. I don't know if his bag <laughs> is still sex.
0: I don't know now, but. Like, it's got to come out some way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his definitely his his jam. Yeah. And, I was, and it turned out that I was in a band at the time with a guy he went to college with. It was just this weird sort of thing that Synchronicity. happened. Synchronicity. And before I knew it, we had a record deal, and I started making records, and then that- Solo records. Well, this was with a band, uh, my first record.
0: What's the band called? It
1: was called The Group With No Name. Not a good name. Horrible name. Terrible. It was Neil Bogart's idea at Casablanca Records. I don't know if you know who that was. I do
0: know that name.
1: He was the prez. The big guy. He was a big guy, yeah. Yeah. So that happened, and then that didn't happen, and then I was like a singer for hire, and I would go back and forth between when did the you, restaurant- But you're dating Gene. I did long distance. Yes, I did. Yes. I, I, I guess you call it dating.
0: Right. You know. You'd hook up here and there.
1: Yeah. For me, I was like madly in love, but
0: yeah. he, he was not. But he must have been on the road constantly. Constantly. Yeah. And you sang on a record of his? I did. The, the, when they all did their little solo records. solo projects? records. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I sang on his solo record. Oh, yeah.
0: How bad was that? Yeah. I can't remember those records. I, I was not a Kiss kid. I, me neither. I didn't. And it was my age group too, but I didn't go in. I didn't go in because I was in high school then and I didn't.
1: I listened to a lot of rhythm and blues. I, I had a guy who then who turned me on to Robert Johnson when I was in high sure, school. Sure, yeah, I got that. So I listened to all the. I remember running off to the Ash Grove, which used to, which is now the Improv. Now I hear about this place. You know, yeah, used to burn down yearly. Right, <laughs> it used to burn down all the time. But I'd go run off and hear Taj Mahal and Willie Dixon. And, yeah, they
0: were always hanging. Out. They, some guys had residencies there. Yeah. so that's where you started singing with those guys or touring. No, with
1: them? I well, I toured with Etta James. I sang with Etta.
0: This is after the No Name Band did. This is
1: after the no name. Got no band. hits. Got no hits. Got no nothing. <laughs> then we moved to Elektra Records. Got even less. Who was in that band with you? They still around? Let me. Uh, yes, I think so. Alan, my, I mean, I don't think you would know any of them. Oh, you wouldn't they didn't know go on any to other of them. bands? No, I mean, the only one that that's uh, a lot of records. ended up being in that band was my friend Brian Ray, who plays with Paul McCartney. Oh, okay, and he he was in our side band because the band was five singers. It was kind of like the mamas and the papas. Oh, okay, that's nice. and then you know we ended up having a band. I ended up marrying the bass player. I mean, it goes on, it goes on and on. So that was the
0: first husband. That was
1: the first husband who taught me about Otis Redding and Al Green. I think that's why I married him.
0: Oh, those are both good stories. Yep. Both ended sadly. Well, both Al, ended... not so terrible, but there was a bad story in the Al Green story. Yeah. How
1: did... Otis, plane crash. Right, but Al,
0: didn't he get in trouble for, for a woman threw a pot of boiling water on him? Or was no. it the other way?
1: What... I can't remember. Oh, that. yeah, no, no, you're right. And then he became yeah. a
0: reverend. Yeah. He, he got God because he was out of his mind.
1: Yeah, and the music the... suffered.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes God doesn't help music. <laughs> Sometimes you got to turn your back on God and take the tricks elsewhere. That's
1: right. Uh, it's
0: always a price to pay. So he learned the bass player taught you about that.
1: He did. He was very, he played in a band called the soul survivors. Do you remember oh, yeah, that? Yeah. Express way to your heart.
0: Oh, is that it? So
1: I married him. And uh, so those people, they were in that band, yeah. but nobody else you would know. And uh-huh. after that, I just I was like a singer for for hire. I had bands. I was trying to get record deals. So with the record company, oh,
0: you had an agent and a record company that kind of would say like, oh, we got a girl that does this.
1: Oh no, no agent. There was no no. agent at that point. And then I lost my record deal. And so I, I remember when I um I worked with Bette Midler for five years, and that was was, that? that was pretty amazing. That was pretty great. I went all around the world with her. People love her. Love her. And it was, that was an open cattle call audition. That was yeah. like hundreds of girls lined up, uh-huh. you know, to go into this soundstage and sing and dance. Why no acting? I didn't want to. Oh, it's just
0: It was just, this I, is what it was just
1: really, do. I was going to be a musician. That was it. I just didn't even. How
0: many solo I, records you put out?
1: I've put out, uh, my first one was when I was on Married with Children. I still did not give up. And so I got a deal on Virgin Records and I put out a solo record. I've put out 4 Mm-hmm. I think four solo records, I just keep, I make them, you know, now I just make them. And at that point I was very invested in like, okay, people are going to take me seriously. I wrote every song on this record. I know I'm an actor, but I'm a musician. Uh -uh. I want
0: them to know this part of me And then I'd
1: go on those radio tours and I'd be like, could you say Al? And I was like, no, this is not happening.
0: Morning radio? No, they don't
1: care. So now, uh, now I just make records because I like to make records. That's great. And I have a band and I play in my band. That's nice. I know, It's super great. It's kind of like, well, I'm sure. I mean, you make your living as an actor and as a stand-up. Yes.
0: Yeah, and, I was, and this
1: and this. Yeah, yeah, and this. But what's your first love? Comedy. Who knows? You don't love any. No, you do.
0: <laughs> I um, I do comedy because I have to. In my mind, in my heart, like it's like a oh, it's a It's calling. a
1: soul thing. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't always love it. And I, and oddly, since we've had this year of terror off and grief for me, I haven't missed it that much. And in in a way, you know, like I, it's a compulsive thing. It's, it's, it's how I, uh, own my space in the world. It runs pretty deep, but love is a weird, like, I can't romanticize it. It's like, it's like eating in a way. Uh, I do like to play guitar. I do like I, I like the music, but I'm not that I'm not that confident. I've gotten pretty good at it, good. but I should. It's one of those things where it's like I should play with other people a bit.
1: Yes, but it's
0: great. I, and acting, sort of relatively new, of, of for me to get to understand how to make it satisfying.
1: Right. Yeah, it takes a minute. I mean, when I first came to acting, actors hate when I say this, mm. but it just sort of happened. I didn't really have. I didn't go to acting school and I didn't go, I didn't, I didn't train for it. Yeah. It was more a last minute, like I was so broke. I was so broke that I was like, uh, I got to just open any door that comes along. And I ended up doing this little musical that these friends of mine wrote yeah. in a garage. Right. And agents came to see it and they came to see it because Pam Adlon was in it. Pammy was in it with me. This is when Pammy was like I know Pam. 16. Yeah. And they came down. What was it called? It was called Backstreet. Uh huh. And we went, and we were in this old play. And these agents approached me, and they said, "Do you want to? Do you want to have an agent?" And I was like, "No, I don't. I don't really want to do that. I don't want to be an actor." And they kept coming. They came like two or three times. And then finally, I realized they said, "Yeah, but you could work as an actor." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, oh, well, okay." So yeah. I just said yes. And
0: well, how come you're broke?
1: Because I was broke. Because what you year know, is that? This was nineteen. I wasn't sober yet, so it was nineteen eighty four.
0: But I mean, like, what you so you're touring with Bette Mittler all over the world, and then you tour with other people. There's not a lot of money in that, or you're just doing too many drugs and fucking up. All
1: and that. What? You and know, you have kids yet? No, no kids. And no, no, t- no. Who no, else no, you no. tour with? I toured with Edda, I toured with Beth. I toured with Tanya Tucker. Oh, she's great. Oh, she was great when she was with Glenn Campbell. Oh. oh, I had great stories, and he was on the bus with us, and and uh. Yeah, I did what a that. A great guitar player. Oh, an amazing an amazing guy and Is great he? guitar player. Yeah, he was and his kind of um well, I could say some stuff. I'll I'll tell you later. Uh-huh. Um anyway, he uh, and then I I did a lot of session stuff I sang on Olivia Newton-John's records. I was kind of like I never learned how to read music, but yeah. I have a very good ear, so I'd be, you right. know. Yeah. I could kind of eke by. I also had a manager that was throwing me money if I couldn't pay my rent.
0: How about you in the drugs?
1: How bad was I at that point? Yeah, pretty bad. I was pretty blow or what? Uh, it was blow. It was uh, pills. It was alcohol. It was. I was kind of like a little chemist. I was very. I was what they call high bottom in terms of. I was still functioning in the world. Sure. sure. And like when well, you were
0: also in a world that was saturated with drugs and booze.
1: Saturated. That was just the life, right? That was the life. Hmm. And, um, you know, it wasn't until I started working in television and I realized, oh, shit, you know, I can't stay up till four in the morning.
0: This is a real job. I
1: got to be there. (laughs) And and my first job on television, I'll never forget, the woman who was in it was a sober person. And uh, she would talk about it. What job was that? I'm just going to say. I'm just going to say. It was with Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, okay. And Mary Mary was well known as a sober person. Yeah. And I remember uh, I went to that job and she would talk about it and I lied to her. I'd say, yeah, "Yeah, I'm sober too. And I'm thinking, I'm such a fucking liar. Years years later, she was my Eskimo. Years later, I took her out in New York and I told her the truth. And I I said, I have to thank you because you are the reason I ended up in a room. I mean, she's one of the reasons. What show was that? It was called The Mary Show. It was Mary Tyler Moore's return uh, after the big Mary Tyler Moore show. Sure. She played a divorcee. Danny DeVito directed it. He gave me the gig. This is me, like little rock singer. I'm like, what's happening? And they yeah. bring me in. So, he and this is after
0: th- you do the play with Pam?
1: No, this is after, as soon as I signed with an agent, I yeah. got a gig at the, t- at the Mark Taper in a big musical, like okay. a okay. opera, a rock yeah. opera. Okay. I played a Russian Jew in a rock opera. Great. That I didn't speak one word and I sobbed and cried and CBS said, you want to be on a comedy? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll come audition. Yeah. So I got the job, and and then there was Mary, and it was a whole new thing to me. What was she like? She was very—now I understand why she was what she was. She was guarded. She was very, um, uh, like, not super engaging. Not, And I think it's like because she was Mary people. Tyler Moore— No, not cold, Mm. just self protective. Okay. You know, you're you're Mary Tyler Moore. I mean, star. Yeah. You know, so she was, but she was great. I mean, she was awesome with me. Like, I didn't even know how to put my face in the light. She would come over and lift my chin up and say, "Here, you know, you do this." Yeah, I still
0: don't know which camera I'm on. Me neither.
1: Or when they say camera left, camera right, I'm like, wait a minute, (laughs) what do you mean? (laughs) Just raise a hand.
0: I just like I started to learn how to say like, "Where's my camera?" So we're okay. (laughs) Got it. Which, which one are we? Okay. That, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, in hindsight, I realized because that job ended, I'm still not sober, and I just thought, well, I'll just go back to my rock and roll, my sure. job, my day, my real job.
0: And you started doing the background stuff again?
1: Studio no, I stuff? got married with children, like almost within three months. Oh, I got so that's that's what happened. I I I left that job. With then Mary? I, yeah, and then shit got bad.
0: What? Like what? What?
1: What, is, what does that mean? Well, I mean, what if we're talking. What does that look like? Uh, I had a boyfriend at the time. Oh, no, see, it's already- It's already a, a boyfriend, it's already, right?
0: It's already terrible. I know. His
1: name was Spider. Oh, there you go. Better. It's getting better. It's getting Yeah. And uh, Spider and I were, you know, he was in a band uh, with this guy named Chucky Weiss. I don't yeah, know if down, you know yeah, Chucky.
0: Uh, and Chucky's yeah, yeah the, Chucky's in love. Yeah, Chucky's in love. The Cantor scene.
1: Yeah. I was I was at the Canter scene with
0: Ricky Lee Jones and yeah, Tom with, Waits and Chucky yeah. e Weiss and
1: yeah all that and Spider so you, and Spider so you knew Young Tom I met Young Tom okay I didn't actually know him mm. I knew Chuck okay. I knew Chuck really well and I and I know Ricky yeah. and um and uh, so anyway so yeah, yeah.
0: Spider yeah did spider. she write a song about Spider no, too? I feel she, like I've I, heard I don't, of Spider No I don't think she wrote okay. a song about Spider Spider wasn't in love. Chucky was in love.
1: I was in love with Spider. Of course you and were. Of course I was. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it got it. Got pretty. It got you know. It just got ba- It just got like I would get, which is like a yeah. daily thing and yeah. not good. And, yeah. You know yeah. and and I always kind of knew. I knew from uh, early on that that was yeah. up. That this is not good. That and, you
0: couldn't control it.
1: That I couldn't control right. it. That's what I knew.
0: And so what? Who got you? How did you end up at? Uh... Over at the log cabin. At the log cabin. Okay.
1: Actually, Yucca was my first meeting. She, uh, Spider broke. up. Spider oh, ran I know off. That church
0: on Yucca. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't even know if they have meetings there anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Not. Whatever. I don't, I,
1: don't I don't know. But Spider, uh, yeah, Spider ran off with somebody, and yeah, I went to the meeting looking for Chuck, who's who was He's already in the club, uh-huh. hoping to find Spider, and I. <laughs> And I kind of walked in and uh, there were a bunch of people I knew. And they were like, oh, you're finally here. We've been saving your seat. I just thought, what are they talking? I mean, what where's do they spider? mean? We're the spider. The <laughs> <laughs> Sit down. Shut up. You know, those were the early <laughs> yeah, sobriety yeah, days. Yeah, Sit yeah. down. Shut up. Wash this coffee cup. Yeah. Don't say anything. Right. And I just heard stuff. And yeah. and then I just kept going. I, I think I was still looking for We him, had so many friends
0: there, though. I did. So I had like, a lot know, of like, friends. I'm sure they wouldn't let you leave after that.
1: Well, and plus, you know, I mean, I knew, I knew, yeah. I knew it was, you know, time. it's dark. It, It's, you know, Chasing how many it. nights yeah. can you go the through worst.
0: that? We're just jangled all the time.
1: You know, and your prayer is God, please get me through not. this one. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah.
0: The worst. The Going worst. The yeah. worst. And you can't even sleep.
1: You can't sleep. You can't do anything.
0: The worst. Well, good.
1: So then, so there I am. I'm sober. And Stop. then I.
0: <laughs> and then you got the gig.
1: And then I started working more as an actor. Yeah. Then my whole sort of. In fact, I was two months sober when I started working on Married with Children. How'd you get that job? I went to an audition. I mean, my by this time I have an agent, yep. right? So she sends me out. She sends me the script. She goes, "This is a network that isn't even a network yet."
0: <laughs> so we got and, a good shot right. at this.
1: No, and I thought, oh, well, right up my alley because <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not really, uh I'm, I'm not your mainstream <laughs> actor. Right, They're gonna right. like me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because I've never really fit. I still kind of don't. I don't I don't I don't I feel like I don't really fit into the actor community so much yeah and uh, better off and then I really didn't then mm. I was just like yeah. you know so right. I went in and uh auditioned and and wore funny clothes and Ed O'Neill was there and we got there were like you know how they pair you up yeah and Eddie and I just you know I don't know if you know Ed but he's a, just don't. a super regular dude yeah he's just yeah. not actory right and um we got on great. So
0: Now, how much of the character is your creation? Like, how was it written versus?
1: I think it was written more to be uh, slovenly. You uh-huh. know, it was supposed to be like Roseanne and, J- oh, and oh, Sam like, Kinison.
0: Oh, right, right. Who yeah. I
1: adored. And I thought, no. When I read it, I yeah. really thought, no, they have to have something going on. Because uh-huh. these two people have not been married either, so they have to have either a great sex life or uh-huh. something's going on. So I I sexed her up. I yeah. went in all, you know, like dolled up and, uh-huh. you know Yeah. Kinda like a fifties housewife right, in a right. way. Yeah, or yeah. a little tight dress. And, these are like you know. a
0: defining part of the show.
1: Well, they liked it. They yeah. liked the hit on it. Yeah. So um yeah. I mean that was always my thing. Like if these people are gonna fight and you know, She, you know, something has to be. Can you imagine? Can you believe
0: what a lightning rod that show was at that time? Unbelievable. And how it defined that network, you know, for to this day. And that if it weren't for your show, like The Simpsons probably wouldn't have happened. But it was a cultural lightning rod. Can you imagine such an innocent time where Married with Children was the... Uh, oh, lightning rod,
1: the cultural yeah. lightning rod. We were all stunned. I mean, I think, you know, for the first three years, you couldn't even get it unless you had like rabbit ears on your TV. You there couldn't was get no, Fox. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't get Fox. And so we didn't even know it was successful. We knew nothing. And then right. we kind of, Ed and I'll never forget, we went on some tour of bowling alleys or I don't know. They sent us out on some like something. Yeah. And everybody was relating you know and we'd get fan mail saying oh my family is just like that or i live next door to those people or blah right, yeah, blah and yeah. i thought oh wow this is really uh people are uh this is like regular people it was kind a great
0: of. caricature of a certain type of america
1: yeah it really really was people, people liked her clothes it. people wanted my pegs clothes i mean it was it was wild.
0: It could land on either side. The people that got the joke, and then the people that were the joke.
1: Oh, totally. And then the people <laughs> that hated the joke, and then you know, boosted our ratings because they kept trying to get us off the air.
0: Right, right. The uh, it was mo- mostly lefties, right?
1: No, it was this one woman I'll never forget. We sent her flowers every year. Her name was Terry Ricolta. And Terry Ricolta wrote this whole thing about, you know, her kid can't you know, this is not okay for children, so oh, bah, 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 oh, okay. bah, oh so it was like, tried to uh, get us off the air.
0: Karen's the yeah, old version. Exactly. of exactly. yeah,
1: and all it did was got us on the front of the New York Times, and, you know, it doubled our audience as people she was loved trying. It. yeah, they loved it it, and then,
0: uh, it aggravated people. yeah, it really did. So well, that was it was a great run. It was a long run. you know, got you, she must have made you pretty rich.
1: Yeah. I got pretty rich. Yeah. And then I got pretty poor too. Cause I, then I, then I got divorced. And.
0: Well, wait, what? So when did you start having kids?
1: I started having kids when I was on married with children. My first child I lost. It was really another sad, you know, I got sad stories. I had a stillborn child and they had written it into the to the series, uh-huh. and then I lost that baby, oh. and so that was horrible. So oh, they made God. it blah blah, and then after that, I went on to have my two older kids, and, yeah. and I was pregnant on the show, and then they would send me home and pay me. They were so like, just go they home, lay make, down. They,
0: they weren't going to take the risk uh-uh. again.
1: Uh huh. So it was a great. Oh, but it was, that must have
0: been so brutal to, oh. to have that expectation, then have to go to set and like. Ugh, ugh. It was horrible. It was heart-breaking. really,
1: really heartbreaking. But I also look at it like I wouldn't have the you know these amazing. Two older kids that I have. If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have anything. You know.
0: Oh, so you so in the divorce, you were the you were the one with the money. Is that what happened? Yes.
1: It's the fucking worst. It was hard.
0: <laughs> and this was the first husband, the bass Second player. Second husband. Uh, this th- is the drummer. Oh, Okay, the drummer. I've, I've Who heard.
1: I only have kind things to say about now because
0: two he, kids with him.
1: Two kids with okay. him. And I wouldn't have them without him. So.
0: And you guys get along. The kids get along with both of you.
1: E- e- yeah, everybody's Good. okay. Everybody's, it happens, right? You know, eventually. Eventually, it took. It's taken some time, but eventually, yeah.
0: Uh huh. And you landed on your feet.
1: Landed on my feet. Somebody said to me, "Oh, don't worry about money. You know, yeah, you'll Someone make said more that money." To me
0: too. I, when I when my when I went through that divorce from that woman. Uh, see, right when you start talking about it it comes like it's sort of and i'm way over it but the point being yes people said don't worry about the money i'm like you don't i got nothing going and uh and i landed it on my feet yeah
1: you land on your feet i don't know you know that's kind of how i i sort of live my life like that now too i just sort of feel like well this looks like the shittiest thing that could ever happen mm. however Uh, I've, I've been there before and then it wasn't the shittiest thing that's ever happened. So maybe, maybe I'm going to look at it that way.
0: Well, what I start to realize is that none of it's unusual. It's something humans go through no matter what it is. Right. There's nothing that's going to happen to you that's going to be like, that's never happened to a human. before. Oh, absolutely. And there's something comforting about that. It really. And is. that goes from going broke to getting sick to death, whatever.
1: All of it. It yeah. also goes to, you know, the thing that you think is impossible to accomplish. And yeah. If you can find that one person that's done it. Right. Then that means you can do it, too.
0: Sure. But also, there is something to be said about acknowledging your limitations. Like, I'm not going to be an astronaut.
1: Oh, yeah. I know. I think that comes with age. (laughs) I think so. I think, you know... like It's helpful. I wish you could do it... I
0: I recommend people do it... Young. If you have talent, understand what and how to use it so it doesn't strangle you from the inside, you know?
1: Uh, Yeah, but how do you avoid, if you're creative... Not being strangled from the inside. It's I don't kind know. of all. I think it all kind of goes hand in There's hand. There's some
0: things I can't understand. Me I can't too. The self-loathing thing and and how that becomes an engine. I don't. I don't quite understand that. And I don't like when people think that you do it on purpose. Because oh. it's like, why would anyone do that? Right. Why would anyone nurture that? Like this idea. It's like you're just like that, so you can create. I'm like I believe me.
1: No. <laughs> I do not.
0: I don't want to be like this. No.
1: I mean, it's it's all, the whole, you know, it's like trying to turn your head off. You know, it's like, I, I don't want to think this I've, much. I've gotten better, man. Do you meditate? Mm-hmm. I I I am an inconsistent meditator. I've been so yes. on it lately. Have you been meditating but a lot? But
0: I, I didn't do it for years. Right. I just started like four or five months ago. Oh,
1: that's odd. What kind of just do you breath. have a breath?
0: I do Andy Biddle dummy. Huh. <laughs> i always fuck his name up. Headspace app. Oh yeah, yeah. Andy Every,
1: yeah you're the third person like, recently. I should listen to I went it's to just a teacher a, it's and, just guided
0: yeah. it's just a guided breath meditation. It's right. not there's no visuals. It's counting breaths, staying in the breath, when thoughts come, get back to the breath, that's it.
1: Do you do it more than once a day? Or? Once a
0: day, fifteen minutes.
1: Okay, so that's great. See. See, I went to a teacher who said to me, You have to do this twice a day for twenty minutes and I was like That's and the I could, TM thing. T M. And I could and I've done that consistently for periods of time and then I can't and then then I screw up my own expectation. You know, my expectation is like, well, if I can't do it twice a day, I'm just not going to do it at all. And so that's messed up.
0: That's the only thing I'm learning from it all during this thing, this lockdown and whatever we've all been through is like if I don't have this routine. Right. And like I I don't like now I get up like I, I started doing like five sun salutations, about 10 minutes of yoga. And then I do the meditation every day. But I also work out with a trainer three times a week and hike twice a week. So I'm like on it. Wow. But I do it. Even when I wake up, it's like that thing about when you first get sober, you make your bed, that oh, shit. Yep. Like I still do it. Right. Like I get up to today, I'm like, well, maybe I'll just put the meditation off. And then I'm and then I'm doing it. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the meditation. Like that voice is secondary now.
1: Oh, I love that. Right. And do you feel better or do you feel centered? Or- I feel like I did it. Right, which is okay. good.
0: Right. It's a lot of it. I don't know what the meditation is doing for me.
1: I think it's a cumulative effect. I mean, to me what I was un- what I understand and what I've experienced mm. is that you spend that time observing your thoughts, right? That's what meditation is.
0: Well, you do so see the difference detach. between you and your brain.
1: Exactly.
0: That's happening. Right. Where the difference between mind and brain.
1: Right. Yeah. So then, you don't attach so much to all those crazy thoughts. Well, it's so like that—that
0: whole thing about feelings aren't aren't thoughts or whatever, aren't but that facts. aren't facts. But, but like I still have problems with that. They kind of are facts. Hmm. They may not. You may not. The the thoughts that go with feelings may not be the greatest, and you might not want to act on them. But you know, feelings are feelings. But like I think it's like that sober thing too, where it's just sort of the the next right thing. Like there's that trick of getting into the present where right. you really start to realize and I've known this for a long time, but I don't think I've known it as deeply since I've meditated that most of what you're reacting to your brain is making up oh. for one reason or another. Completely. You know, and you don't have much control over that. But you can with meditation separate it. Right. More successfully, I think.
1: I have a friend who's a big meditator who always tells me that the brain is, uh, the brain's purpose is to tell you to turn right uh, and then to turn left Uh and then to get, you know, go when the light is green. Right. And we we assign all these other things to the brain. The brain is not to figure out all all the stuff that we try to figure out.
0: Well, yeah, and I used to say that all the time. I just got to figure out. I just got to figure this out. I just got to figure, you know. And it's so fucking dumb. Yeah, alcoholic. think your way through
1: it. Well, it's dumb. Well, and then you know that's the whole deal. What are you going to
0: figure out though?
1: Yeah, figuring out is not a step. Is not a.
0: Yeah, and then there's just the the the, the paranoia, the resentment journey. Oh, no. Yep. Where it's just like it comes out of nowhere. Like I, there, I'm grateful as fuck, and there's I, everything's fine everything is fine i my i cannot sit with that like even during this fucking lockdown every day my nature is to get up and go like oh fuck i gotta what what do you have nothing yeah what do you what do you there's nothing
1: well it's an alcoholic response you know if you really believe that alcoholism lives in your brain yeah which is really what it is the substances aren't really what it's about yeah the alcoholic thinking is what fucks with us and it tells you "Uh uh-oh before it says oh boy it's like, you know, you wake up just like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And then, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, through the process of recovery, I don't think it ever stops. That's what I've learned. I, I don't think that that initial sort of, uh oh, this is my 22nd stops. year. Uh, yeah. So you just learn how to manage it. That's my experience. You just learn how to not. Yeah,
0: But you know what happens, though, is like you, re, you do deeply realize and understand that some shit just is not that important. Oh. And, you know, that's the relief. Of age and sobriety is that like, yeah, it's like, what the fuck was I worked up about? Like, right. if you think back on all the insanity, oh, it's like, this God. is so stupid.
1: I know. <laughs> I mean, I used to really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Relationships and work. Those are my those are my big oh, insane. God. I mean, you know. Trying to figure out what if, and this is going to happen. I mean, nothing is, you know, it's like, you know how it's funny when people say to you, uh, how do you make those career decisions? How did you plan to do blah, blah, blah? And what you're just you like, what about? do you mean? <laughs> I didn't <laughs> so, plan anything. I
0: don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's right.
1: And, yeah. you know, somebody offers you this and you take, you know, it's really... lying by
0: the seat of your pants. Exactly. Trying to hide your desperation.
1: Exactly. That's what I... Uh, that's what I feel too. But
0: like I, yeah, relationship. Like uh, six years ago, I had I, I asked a, a a mentally ill person to marry me. Oh, wow! Like I would like, I never realized the depth of the my codependency until I got into a relationship where I could not see it. Yeah, it's, and like it's, everyone it's, around me is like, dude. No one said anything, of course. Right. But I like I broke up with this woman. And I had to take out a restraining order, and I got back together with them.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> that shit is done. Not That's not going to happen to me again. See,
1: that stuff, I think when it gets that extreme, I really do think you 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 won and done. I think you learn it. I think you really know. Then you see the signs. Hey, especially if you dodged a fucking bullet. You dodged a bullet. Yeah. I remember my second marriage, and I, I didn't know how to get out. I didn't know how to... Ugh. And there was all kind of shit going on, and I was like, I, I got to get out of here. And I couldn't get out. I was like... And, uh, you know, my next husband, who's my current husband, I would like, you know, I yeah. just was more aware. Yeah. I, I just yeah. had a better picker. I remember my first coffee date with my current husband, I took my sponsor with me.
0: <laughs> really?
1: <laughs> yeah, because I thought, I, wanted don't, to I don't him? know what's good. Yeah, I, yeah, I was like, I, so I, I brought my up. security team. I did. Like at halfway through, she goes, Yeah, I think you're good. It's okay. <laughs> so she <laughs> left. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's cute.
1: It was, well, it was necessary. I was not, you know, I don't like to repeat my, I don't know. That's one of the benefits of of sobriety. I I don't know where
0: the fuck I got the energy. I don't know. Like I look like I just got a kitten, you know, and I've been through this shit with these cats before, you know, where it's just, you forget the insanity, but like I look back at certain relationships, like even the horrible ones where I was a monster and whatever, like I don't know where it comes from, but it's, it's probably still in there somewhere.
1: The Monster, sure. Oh, 100%. Are yeah. you kidding? I don't think we lose our defects. I mean, that's why you know the benefit of sobriety is the benefit and the and the struggle yeah. is now you're awake, you right? You right, are right. awake, you can make choices. You have you and you have no choice but to do. I mean, I suppose you can just live in bad behavior, you can just sort of do that, however, you're just you know you're awake and aware and you have to take responsibility and you're accountable you're all that shit man i'll tell you what i know right (laughs) so then you go shopping too much and hopefully you Mm. don't
0: (laughs) i just try to balance sugar and caffeine and (laughs) like i can't even let myself do the shopping to the degree i should i should uh, have a good time
1: Uh, i know
0: so we all right? We good? We get it all covered?
1: I think so. I don't know. We did didn't talk much an, about work. Oh, we did, we did talk about the beginning. my TV show. Yeah. It was like,
0: it was like a yesterday. Watch my already.
1: new TV show.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Rebel. It's just Rebel. 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 She's saving the world.
1: She's trying to, yeah. She's actually a very- Very uh, entertaining. She's an empowering- Thanks for saying that. She's an empowering- um, What I like playing about her the most is she empowers other people. She's not-
0: It's all about that. She's yeah. not
1: about, here, let me, let me catch the fish for you. It's about, yeah. here, take the pole. Yeah. Go down to the stream. Yeah. And figure it out.
0: Yeah, no, it's enjoyable. Great. Um, did you do any juice stuff?
1: Any Jew stuff? No, the I don't. I didn't, you know my dad was like my dad was more a socialist than anything else. He was sure. not a religious Jew. Mm. One time we had a Passover. <laughs> this is funny. We had a Passover service at my house, and my dad put on this record by this guy named Moisha Oisha. Yeah. And he was trying to follow the record. Right. And so my little Yiddish grandmother comes over and was so <laughs> condescending yeah. and mean to him yeah. and just like laughed at him. Yeah. So that was it. There there went the record. There went Passover. There went it? you know
0: that was it. But you never went over to the. Leers or anything like that? Oh, you
1: know? no, no, I did. I had, I had passed over with the Lears about five years ago. He, All of us came over, over. and, yeah, and he had all the kids over in my family. Uh, and
0: the many Lear kids?
1: The many, and then their Lear kids. Generations, yes. Yes, he's got awesome kids.
0: Well, he's got a kid that's in his 20s or 30s. Uh, yeah.
1: Twins, yeah, they're girls, they're oh, twins. Oh, okay. Yeah, that he had with Lynn. Uh-huh. They're wonderful, they're great. He's, you know, I love Norman. I did his podcast just a little while
0: ago. I didn't know he had one. He did. I, the last time I saw him was at, uh, I think it was at Bob Saget's birthday party.
1: Oh. Is that
0: possible? Yeah. It's a Bob Saget's birthday party. at somebody's house that's built on the where the Tate house was, the Sharon Tate house was. Big producer of of probably that show Bob was on.
1: Oh, yeah. I was at a party at that house, too, and Tom Jones performed. Is that the same house? Probably.
0: Big old house. Oh, my God. I went, I went with so Craig can...
1: Schumacher. Do you know Craig Schumacher? Yeah, Sure. So Craig invited the me love to the, master. The love master. So sure. he invited me to this party, and we went. And he goes, "Come to this thing." And Tom Jones is going to, you know. And I, I was yeah. like, "Hey man, it's one in the morning. Where's yeah. Tom Jones? Yeah. I'm tired now." Yeah, and he came. And he finally showed up.
0: Yeah, me and uh, Norman and I think Bill Burr uh, had a cigar. The old man smoked wow, a cigar. Wow, love it. Was 90s. it by the
1: grotto? Do you remember yeah. that water grotto? It was, it was like, somewhere in happen? there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's it, but this is the, the house that that guy built, right? The producer, I, yeah, of of uh, f- what was the show that um, Saget was on? You know, the uh, with five, Bob
1: oh. with uh, the drummer with John Stamos. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes.
1: My kids, well, my kid watches it now. Not growing. I, I don't can't think of the name now. But yes, so that show made a billion dollars. That guy a billion dollars and built that house.
0: What well, was a pleasure?
1: It was really nice to see you, meet you. I feel like I had met you before, but I don't know if I have.
0: Well, we've known each other for centuries. Have we? Sure. It's good to go back to many lives, all the way back to the Ukraine.
1: Ah, maybe. Yeah. I <laughs> know. It does seem the older you get, feels like you know everybody.
0: Well, there's some people you you know, you know just kind of get a sense of. You vibe you know? with. You're going to have some hand sanitizer? I am. Knock yourself out. I will. Thank you. Well, good luck with the show.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. I'm thrilled to have been here. It's nice to see you.
0: How was that? That was great, right? How good was that? I have to get her. I gave her a mug and it broke, and she hasn't gotten back to me. I want to get her a a mug, a Brian Jones mug that isn't broken. It's so nice to have people back in the room here. Also, did I mention Katie's new show, uh, Rebel, airs Thursdays on ABC. It premieres tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. I did two takes on this music because the first one I didn't want. I just landed on another, another stinky blues riff. That moved me in the moment. Fonda cat angels fucking everywhere, but Sammy the Red is here and Buster's on top of it. Too many cats.